What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I am Chris. And I am Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 153. Uh, coming in a little bit late, but not as late as a couple weeks ago when we missed an episode. So we did the best we could, and the best we could was Wednesday evening. On the bright side, we found out a few more MLB award winners uh, than we thought we would going into it. So uh, that, that's good. Uh, we had a, a rather lively discussion beforehand that was supposed to take about five minutes, but uh, it was uh, rather detailed. So I ended up telling, spinning a yarn, if you will, for the better part of 45, and, and here we are. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're getting right into it. Um, MLB Awards have started to trickle out, and I've actually almost, almost completed. Uh, we're going to run those down, and I'm not going to get in the super detail on all of them. Uh, because, you know, it was just too many, and we don't want it to be a four-hour show. Uh, but uh, the the Hank Aaron Award winners for each league, Hank Aaron Award winner being the best hitter in each league, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. won in the American League, and Bryce Harper won in the National League. Uh, both those guys, by the way, are MVP candidates, so obviously those are justifiable, you know, uh, selections. Uh, any, any thoughts on either one of those, Ben, or... Or are you good with both? Uh, I'm good with both. I, I don't have any issues with either one of them winning. No, I don't either. And I think I think, you know, again, if if either one of these guys won this award and wasn't in the MVP discussion, it'd be kind of ridiculous. But seeing as they're both MVP candidates, um, I mean, I think they're both it's both rather justified, honestly. Uh, Players' Choice Player of the Year award winner, which is exactly what it sounds like. The Major League Baseball players, imagine that actually vote on who, which one of their peers they feel deserves to be player of the year. And to the surprise of no one who actually paid attention this year, uh, Shohei Otani won that award. And I think he's going to have, he has one more award on this list, definitely. And he, I think he's going to have another one, but we'll get to that later. Um, again, uh, Shohei Otani received the Commissioner's Historic Achievement Award. Uh, given the fact he was such a dominant two-way player this year, and as we've discussed many times throughout the course of the season, that is just not something that we've seen much of, especially in the past couple of generations. It was a little bit more common back in the early, early, you know, earlier this century or last century now, 1900s, 1910s, 1920s, more common, but it's faded away, and you just barely ever see it anymore, and you never ever see it at that level. Um, the cool thing about this award, and for all I say about Rob Manfred, and boy, howdy, is that a lot. <laughs> um, he got this one right because this is a very unique player in a unique circumstance, and whether it's just this year or Otani plays this way for the next 10 years, what he did this year was truly special. Uh, he The award was uh, began in 1998, and it is not something that's given out every year. In fact, since 1998, Shohei Otani is only the 15th recipient of the award. And there has not been an award in seven years. Uh, the, the last time a player won, it was Derek Jeter back in 2014. So um, it can be given for really any reason the commissioner feels. You know, it was given to the Mariners back in the early 2000s when they won 116 games. Uh, it was given to Derek Jeter in 2014 for his extensive success in the postseason. And like him or not, you can't, you can't argue his success in the postseason. Um, so... That, that is very cool and very well-deserved uh, by one of the 
truly dynamic players I can ever remember seeing. Um, any thoughts on those? Uh, I mean, I didn't know much about the Commissioner's Historic uh, Achievement Award, so that's kind of news to me. Um, it doesn't surprise me with the, the performance on the mound and on at the plate. Uh, the, the players see day in and day out how much work he puts in. Uh, doesn't surprise me that he got the player's choice. Now, in both of those, as I said, well, well deserved. Okay, let me get here. Oh, I'm still screen sharing with you, and that is throwing me way off here because it won't let me go to another page. All right, cool. There we go. Very professional. Very professional here on Ben and Chris Talk Sports. <laughs> uh, I believe this used to be called the Rollades Reliever of the Year <laughs> Award, uh, which I always, I always got a chuckle out of, but the best reliever in the American National League. Uh, in, in the NL, it is called the Trevor Hoffman Award, uh, and Josh Hader of the Milwaukee Brewers won for the National League, and Liam Hendricks of the Chicago White Sox won the American League, uh, uh, though I did write NL here on the rundown, but it is AL, Reliever of the Year, and that's called the Mariano Rivera Award, very fittingly. Uh, both those guys obviously, you know, lights out how the Oakland A's allowed Hendricks to, to, to not be on their team anymore is still beyond me, considering pitching and defense is really their bread and butter, but... Uh, manager of the year, the I almost said Bucks, the Tampa Bay Rays, Kevin Cash, uh, won for the second year in a row. He joins uh, former Braves skipper Bobby Cox as the only back-to-back winners, and Gabe Kapler, uh, former played for the Sox, right? He did, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Uh, of the San Francisco Giants, won National League Manager of the Year. Uh, guy I'm very high on, who apparently a lot of people are as well, Randy Rosarina of those same Rays, won the AL Rookie of the Year, and Jonathan India. I don't know much about this guy, to be 100% honest with you. I'm a, I'm a Sox fan. I'm, a, I'm an American League guy. Didn't know much about this guy, but uh, apparently had quite a season for the Cincinnati Reds as the NL Rookie of the Year. Uh, this next one, uh, this next one's kind of special, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there and, and see if you want to reflect on any of the five or six I just mentioned. Um, no, it's just interesting that Gabe Kapler, uh, that'd be like three, four years ago, he was the manager of the Phillies and kind of bottomed out with the Phillies. It might've been more recent than that. Um, and went to San Francisco and found success. I, I think, um, I always talk about how I don't like retreads, but you know, sometimes, uh, they work out where maybe the. <laughs> First, first location didn't quite work out as well, and the second location worked out a little better. I, I think we're familiar with uh, uh, a gentleman in New England that. Uh, I was just gonna say that I think 22 years ago we uh, yeah taking a chance on a retread is the best thing the Pats ever did. So, so uh, you know that's why you 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 take take a look at at each hires and, and opportunities and. Don't judge. I shouldn't judge a pl- uh, coach player just by past experience, past history, past performance. Albeit, if you've done it three or four times and had no success, there, that might signal something. But you now it's good that he, uh, you know, got another opportunity and uh, found success in San Francisco. And you know, Kevin Cash can win the the AL uh, Coach of the Manager of the Year two years in a row, but it hasn't produced much for the, for the Rays 
as far as postseason oh. success. Oh. Blake Snell's on line one. Uh, this next one is is kind of a the the um, similar to my favorite NFL award. I think both of us think very highly of this award. It's the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award in the NFL, and it's called the Roberto Clemente Award in Major League Baseball. Now, it's not obviously word for word the same thing, but it is somebody who exemplifies um, what what it means to be a leader in and out of the clubhouse in the community. Uh, my dog is in the background. Apparently, not a fan of this award. Um, you know, just doing good, uh, leading by example, uh, all the things that. You know, the great Roberto Clemente personified. Um, and this year's winner was the Minnesota Twins, Nelson Cruz. Uh, Nelly has been, <laughs> to say one of the better power hitters of his generation will be an understatement. This guy can't play the field much anymore, but my God, can he still hit home runs. Uh, the Cy Young Awards, I had originally, I thought they were being released at 8 p.m. tonight as we were recording on Wednesday evening. Uh, however, they apparently was seven, and as we're sitting here, we're clicking through to make sure we don't miss any last-minute things, and we saw that the American League and National League Young Award winners had been announced, and those are Robbie Ray for the American League of the Toronto Blue Jays and Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers for the National League. So congratulations to those two guys, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Corbin Burns is the guy who was kind of uh, a big deal for the Diamondbacks a few years ago. And uh, kind of became an afterthought and came to the Brewers and had hell of a season, clearly. So congratulations sure to those guys. You sure that wasn't Patrick Corbin? Pat, uh, never mind. Never mind. Okay. I, I didn't want to correct you, but. No, no, Patrick you need to Corbin. if I'm wrong. You need to. Yeah, no, never mind. Okay. Well, either way, congratulations to Corbin Burns and apologies to Patrick Corbin, who still does not have a Cy Young Award. <laughs> Although, if you ask very nicely, Corbin Burns may let you look at his. Um. Uh, I don't have much on Corbin Burns, uh, like you. I don't. I don't look too much at the NL, but I know Rob Ray had a really good season with a really good Blue Jays team. But I will say this: this is interesting that they have the Cy Young Award winner and the uh, reliever of the year in the Milwaukee Brewers. Yet, I don't think they got out of the wild card round, if I'm not mistaken. No, they did not. So but... again, uh, as we talked about with as i talked about with uh um kevin cash winning back-to-back years plus like snell winning the cy young last year uh a rosarini winning the l rookie of the year awards are nice and as we'll talk about the uh mvb candidates awards are nice but they really don't sometimes they just don't translate to postseason success well, I'll say this much. I mean, obviously it's a different sport, but I know when Tom Brady was in New England, every year he was an MVP favorite, and he ended up getting beat out by somebody else. Uh, they lost to him and the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Yep. So, yeah, the awards are nice. End of the season, only one team is holding up that trophy and getting those rings, and that's really, I think, what these guys want more than anything. If not, they shouldn't be playing. Uh, but... To, I guess you could say the main event, not to discount or disrespect any of the other awards, but, you know, MVP is really, you know, it, a lot of people don't know about, like you said, the Commissioner's Historic Achievement Award or uh, other other awards, but um, MVP is one everybody can, you know, really relate to. 
American League finalists, because this will be announced tomorrow evening, uh, Thursday night, as we're recording. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of the Blue Jays, Shohei Otani of the Angels, and Marcus Simeon of the Blue Jays. So you have two Blue Jays there uh, out of three in the finals. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily buy into the whole. Uh, they're going to take votes away from each other. If you want to vote for someone, you're going to vote for someone. Um, I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think it's going to matter, however, because uh, the guy I'm picking, who I've been saying this since about a month or two into the baseball season, Shohei Otani is the most valuable player in the American League. Here's here's how you you should look at it. Let's say Toronto has four people that vote for the AL MVP because I think it rotates every year. Um, Okay, they may split the votes in Toronto, but, you know, everywhere else, it's not going to matter, especially in a year when there's, you know, clear-cut favorites. In years where there's less of a favorite and more of a field, I can see that narrative uh, being true. But, you know, a year when Mookie Betts and Mike Trout are one and two and, and, you know – did that really matter with, with um, the kind of year Xander probably had? Uh, same, it, it, it just really doesn't matter too much unless the field is so broad. Yeah. And you have multiple players on one team in a big city where it kind of might matter, where, you know, New York might have six or seven or eight people uh, voting, or, you know, it's, it's broken down enough to where that kind of narrative doesn't really translate and like i said especially when a year when i think when they come out with the the actual tallies simeon's probably going to get a lot of third fourth fifth place votes and it's really you're going to see the tally if you look it up online or or see it on mlb.com uh mlb network vlad and and shohei are going to get a lot of one and two one and two yeah that's just how it's going to be and i just don't yeah, I, I don't think they're going to split votes. I think it's clear-cut. Even if you're in Toronto, it's most likely going to be Vlad 1 and maybe Simeon 2. But Any other year, Vlad's a shoe in for this. I just I don't think it's, uh, you know, it's 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 got to be Otani. He would have needed Otani to, to hit that DL stint a little bit earlier. Yeah. And I, I just think the performance he put on the field, uh, there was enough there for – writers to say you know what he went out and did this on the mound and did this in the, mm-hmm. in the plate it might be a clear cut he's so dynamic you just you, you almost just can't vote for anybody but him I mean, you can obviously if you want to but i i just i, I don't i've been calling him since the beginning because i like i said the, the last player to do what he's done at his level both sides of the ball was babe ruth and hate that if you want to but i stand by that National League, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., Bryce Harper, uh, Tatis Jr. of the Padres, Bryce Harper of the Phillies, and Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals. Uh, Juan Soto is going to have more than one of those by the time he's done. I firmly believe that. Uh, Bryce Harper might as well. But I think if you ask me, Fernando Tatis Jr. has this uh, locked up pretty securely. Yeah. I'd be shocked if he didn't win. Um, I... Nothing against the other two guys. Like, great seasons. Like I said, Bryce Harper won the Hank Aaron Award in the National League. I just think if you're adding 
who's most important to their team. Uh, the the if Tatis struggles, the Padres struggle. Uh, the Nationals quite honestly struggle regardless of what Soto does. Nothing against him, it's just not a good team. And Harper can be streaky at times, although his hot streaks are extremely hot. But yeah, it's Tatis for me. But it's really splitting hairs because he got three great players. Yeah, and usually you could look at team success and say, oh, it's going to lean towards this player, but none of these teams made the playoffs. No. So it's it's really, you said, like you said, splitting hairs. I mean, there's a chance Bryce Harper could win. Would it shock me? No. Uh, but I think I agree with you. Tatis Jr. seems like he's going to be the odds-on favorite to win the uh, MVP in the AL or NL. Sorry. Oh, that's what I forgot to get to real quick in, in, in the AL discussion. Uh, none of those teams, because you know they had two from Toronto and then the Angels. Neither of those teams made the postseason. Had had the Blue Jays made the postseason, and the Angels finished where they finished. That would have really been Vlad Jr.'s only real, you know, the only real dagger in the heart of Shohei getting the award was well, yeah, he was great, but his team still didn't win uh, the division or wild card, whereas. Vlad and Simeon were able to lead the Blue Jays to a wild or a wild card or playoff berth or whatever, but it did not happen. So that's all you know. It's it's a moot point. But yeah. Our other MLB news or notes uh, with a uh, I don't know if it's super stacked. It's very top heavy, but there's a lot of free agent shortstops this off season. Uh, everybody, everybody and their cousin thinking Yankees are going to just go over the top, ridiculous, and just sign Carlos Correa to be the guy who they. You know, apparently people are thinking it's going to be Derek Jeter 2.0 when he shows up. Uh, they have said they are not doing that. They are not breaking the bank on free agents this offseason. They are going to, I guess, build their farm system and maybe try to bring in some other key role players as acquisitions, uh, kind of like what the Sox did last offseason. They didn't spend wildly. They made a few small strategic maneuvers. And, I mean, quite frankly, they came with it a few games of making it to the World Series. Um, so I personally don't believe it. <laughs> I really don't because it's the Yankees and the Yankees are that kid with his daddy's credit card with no limit out on a Friday night. And, Ooh, I want this. I want this. I want this. Let's just buy it. Um, and they've never been able to not be that. I'm not throwing stones because there's been times the Red Sox are the exact same way, but I just, I don't, I don't buy the fact they're going to have a shot at a guy like Carlos Correa, who I personally don't think will be as good outside of that Astro system, uh, but still a, a pretty damn good player. They have a shot at him and be like, yeah, hey, you know what? Nah, we're not going to do that. We're not, going to, we're not going to go after Trevor Story. We're not going to go after one of these big name guys. We're just going to sit here on this money and, and, and just keep dad's credit card bill down. That's not what the Yankees do. It'd be a complete, complete shift in in, in culture and atmosphere if they did that. Yeah, I, I mean, the only the only reason why I give it some pause is that they have so many contracts either to worry about in the near future or sitting on their books at the moment. But if if uh, Giancarlo Stanton wasn't sitting there, and I understand he had a good postseason and he's showing some life, but he does carry a huge weight on their payroll. If he wasn't there and they said this, I would call them bold-faced liars because they would they 
that's something they would do is go out and get this shortstop, especially being a centerpiece of the offense. Um, but with Aaron Judge also, and you have to decide what you're going to do with Claybert Torres. And um, the kid that played third base, I, he's, his name's escaping me. Um, uh, uh, oh, Gio Ushello. Uh, Ushello? Yeah, something like that. Urshela, Urshela I think. Um, and uh, the the second baseman that's – there's a second baseman that name's escaping me as well. There's a lot – and they're paying Garrett Cole. And they need help in the pitching staff as well. Like, you have to manage your resources, so that might be what they're doing. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, there is a draft pick connected to um, – Carlos Correa at this point because he yeah. was uh, offered a uh, offered the um, the thing. Um, why why is it not arbitration? No qualifying um, offer. Thank you qualifying yeah. offer. Uh, so I believe there's a draft pick attached to that, which can deter teams from signing these free agents. I just I find it hard to believe with a young talented shortstop who could if if needed could shift to third base why he wouldn't why they would he wouldn't be prime on their market and i believe did not if i heard miss i don't know if i'm no that was Xander bogarts uh stating that he was open to moving at some point in the near future which note that for the future um he, he may be open to moving to a third or second base position if the right person comes in to play shortstop. Well, supposedly uh, the Sox are looking at Javi Baez, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see about that because also Xander has a possibility of opting out at the, at the end of this next season. But to get to back onto the shortstops for the Yankees, I mean, there's options. There's plenty of options for them to go out and – they could go sign. I uh, they believe Marcus Simeon's a free agent, so they could go sign him. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that Carlos Correa is just so damn good, and he'd probably play real well in that park because he he gets to all fields. It's so hard to look at him and say, "God, he belongs in Yankee pinstripes." If I'm looking at it from a front office Yankee right, perspective. Right. Uh, well, you know the offer, you know the offer he turned down from Houston, though. What was uh, it? Was something? It was ridiculous. It was like you send it to me. You say I send it to down. you, and I, I looked at it I'm like, what in God's name? I don't know. We text a lot, so I don't remember where it was. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Some, it was some like thirty, thirty-five a year, though. It was. It was asinine. It, it reminded me of the offer. The red, the one of the last offers the Red Sox gave Mookie Betts, and I, I thought it was a slap in the face. It also reminded me of the last offer that the Red Sox gave John Lester years ago, and that was a slap in the face. And that was both those offers uh, spoke to the end of those players uh, being a part of the Red Sox organization. And eventually, Lester was traded to the Oakland Athletics, and Mookie was traded to the Dodgers because. I feel they didn't want to pay him the premium, premium dollar, but also you couldn't meet him in the middle because you slapped him in the face with this ridiculous bullshit offer. 
I think the same thing's going to happen here is you offered Carlos Correa a here's an offer so we can save some face, but no one's going to buy it because Carlos Correa is going to get top of the market. Regardless if he's got a draft pick attached to him, a team is going to look at him and say, yes. Oh, I, he'll definitely get top of the market. Um, well, he, he and Trevor Story both. Um, well, it could be close, but I think Correa's postseason success will definitely lead to him being high, more highly touted. But I, I actually looked at it the other way. When you, when you, with all the people the Astros have to pay coming up, and and Correa made it made it pretty clear without saying it uh, that he wasn't going to be in Houston because he thinks he's bigger than the team financially. Uh, don't forget Altuve has a monster contract, and there's other pitchers they're going to have to sign coming up and other outfield because they keep losing people to free agency. So they want to keep all these first-round picks, all these high-value prospects that come up and actually perform. They're going to have to save some money somewhere. And a guy like Correa, who's pretty much made it known he's a mercenary for hire, just pay me the pay me more and I'll be there, which is fine, by the way. That's his call. Uh, but you have other people who do it differently, like Freddie Freeman. I really want to be in Atlanta. I really want to be in Atlanta. I really want to be in Atlanta. He's going to get mega money no matter where he goes. But he has done nothing to make himself look like, and I'm sure it's true, that he wants to be with the Braves. So if he isn't, no one's going to look at it and go, well, Freddie Freeman didn't want to be here. People can say that about Carlos Correa. I personally thought what the offer you showed me at least, that would be overpaying for him personally. It's, it's funny we're on such different wavelengths there. I know I know as far as like the value of like players goes, he's going to get a lot more than that. But it's a lot like Mookie Betts. It's like Mookie Betts was great in Boston, and he's been very good in L.A., but you have seen a, a, a noticeable decline in his play, and he's not even through what should be the prime of his career yet. Not a decline to make him a bad player, but a decline to say, are you really one of the top two or three players in this game? Some might argue yes. I would argue he's outside of that now, and it's only going to go down, and he's not even to the point where age should start being a factor for that to happen. So, I don't know. At all, at all, it's It's... Sports money is all monopoly money, especially with yeah. baseball when it's all guaranteed and it's all 300, 400 million for this, for that, because there's so much TV contract money that gets pumped into these teams. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. I personally do not believe the Yankees, not just because I'm a Red Sox fan, but because uh, it's it's just not, it's not what they've shown throughout their history, how they handle free agency. I just, um, I just found the offer, Chris, uh, five and 160. Yeah, I mean, that's... I think it's under the markets. It pro- no, it probably will be, but I don't think that's a slap in the face. I mean, you're talking $35 million a year? Not I if mean, he's get, 36? Not if, not if, if someone's in his ear thinking, Carlos, you can get 40 easy, and then probably set the market with 45, maybe close to 50. If someone's in his ear talking, telling him that after the year he had... I don't say oh. I don't see it as outrageous as, as you do, but no, I get your point. But I think the market, with what Mookie set and uh, Machado, um, what's his name, uh, Francisco Lindor, they set the market, and the market's going to dictate a lot more than five and one thirty. Well, you said five and one sixty, though. I'm, I'm sorry, five and one sixty. I just, I just. 
Yeah, I don't know that 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 thirty five. That still brings you up in the upper echelon of contracts. That's I don't know. I, I I think honestly that was a very reasonable offer by the Astros. And I know I know I know you're not saying in like real life terms that's a slap in the face. I know you're talking no. about like sports terms. Yes, I think it's gonna be very difficult for any team to justify to their fan base, mind you, when the economy's getting to the point where there's you walk into some stores and. They can't even keep the shelves full of like basic essentials that Carlos Correa is gonna piss them on about making thirty five million a year. I know that's not what you're saying, but be hard pressed for a team that's gonna depend on those fans to show up and, and pay for revenue. By the way, when they're gonna jack up the prices too, because they're gonna they're gonna say now that because a package of hot dogs costs four dollars in the store, and now they have to charge you eighteen dollars for a fucking hot dog. Oh. People will still show up and pay it. It's gonna be really hard to justify that to people. Um so, Correa may have, maybe not, maybe he's going to get fifty million a year. Who knows? But he may have uh, overvalued himself. But we'll we'll see. Uh, the Tigers uh, surprised me a lot. Um, Roto Rodriguez, who has been a member of the Red Sox for it seems like a long, long time, uh, signed a five-year, seventy-seven million dollar deal with the Tigers a couple days ago. Um, the Sox either overpay for people who aren't worth it or let talent walk as it before they enter their prime, especially when it comes to pitchers. So this is just par for the course, and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, J.D. Martinez, however, uh, knowing that, you know, the market, he, he might get more, he might not, has decided to stay with Red Boston. He has opted in on a team option with Boston for $19.4 million this year. Uh, that actually happened before we recorded last episode. I just completely forgot to put it on the rundown. Uh, so it's old, but you know, I wanted to bring it up too. So that's that's good. Um, JD could probably, even as just a DH, get more than that in the open market, but he's smart enough to know, <laughs> I have this guarantee right here. I'm going to wait till everything gets a little bit better, maybe after this season, and maybe then I can opt out and go for Because he has opt-outs for like the next like three seasons, I think. And I've, I heard, and this is not me speaking out of knowledge. This is speaking out of what I've heard from experts on the radio, on internet. There's still discussions because obviously they're doing the CBA this year, which depends on who you talk to. It's going good. It's not going good. And they have to kind of resolve this before the season starts. And that'll be a narrative for us to talk about probably in February as we get closer to the beginning of the season. Um, I don't know. I don't know when they have to hammer out a, a new CBA, but I'm sure when the deadline comes, we'll, we'll discuss it. Um, there was rumors that uh, they're still talking about that full DH in both leagues. If, if there was DH in both leagues, he would have opted out. Yeah, I can but see since, that. Yeah. But since you only have uh, – because obviously you're lim- you're po- potentially eliminating one team if you opted out with the Red Sox. Obviously they could bring them back, but and then you're you're even pinched down more because there's only certain teams that want to pay that much, and then you're paring them down even more because there's some teams that already pay certain players that much money. I.e. the Yankees already pay enough for a player to play DH. Whereas if the entire league expands, so to your point, Chris, next year. If it goes universal DH, 
well, now you got a lot more teams. Yeah, yeah. You put up true. another good season. Now you can go out and cash out where he opts out of that 19.4. If he doesn't come close to that and he comes scratching back to the Red Sox for like nine or ten, boy, that's, that's a bad look. So I think it's smart on him, uh, especially if there was no there has there hasn't been an agreement on the CBA yet that maybe next year in the new CBA, it's a universal DH, which opens up the possibilities for him. Yes. Well, it's, uh, that's a, that's a very valid point. And I actually want one. I didn't actually even think of to be honest with you. Uh, but that's yeah. If, if I'm glad he's still on the team, but I, I, I'm honestly surprised he still is because with all the opt outs he's had, um, it, it, and the quality of hitter he is, it's it's shocking to me that he didn't opt out and try to go for a, even a one-year deal for 25 or 30 because he knows he can come out of a great season and, and still make the same the following year. But On to the NFL. It's probably the most we've talked about baseball in many, many episodes. We're 33-plus 30, minutes in, and we're still talking about baseball. So we've got to shift to the NFL here. Uh, I'm going to do these a little out of order because I just did them as I thought of them, and they don't really make yeah. sense in this order. But couple of big injuries last week. Uh, the biggest of which probably was Chase Young, the great second-year defensive end for the Washington football team. Torres ACL, obviously missed the remainder of the season. Robert Woods, uh, the highly underrated receiver for the Rams, a guy who I've said is easily one of the top five underrated receivers in the entire game. Uh, unfortunately, Torres ACL in practice just days after, if not the same day, the Rams signed Odell Beckham Jr. Now, I'm certainly not saying Odell Nancy Carey and him, or uh, Tanya Harding, excuse me, and uh, it took out his ACL. It was injured in practice, but kind of a coincidence. They signed OBJ thinking, you know, Van Jefferson's our three, and whatever we get out of Odell Beckham Jr. is all of a sudden it's just icing on the cake, and now he's going to be a guy you rely on down the stretch, especially when you saw how the Rams have struggled the last two weeks. So... um uh, Robert Woods is a big loss, a lot bigger than it looks like on the stat sheets. Yeah. I mean, Chase Young would have been the bigger deal, uh, but unfortunately, Washington football team is just not putting it together. No, that defense and, has been off all season. And 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 I don't think the offense is helping with with Tyler Henneke. They're just they're just confused at quarterback. And it was supposed to be Fitzpatrick, but clearly uh, he he just hasn't been healthy all season, so they might have to go a different route um, in the off season. But Robert Woods is is a big deal. It's a big blow to that offense, and uh, I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. can replace what Robert Woods is doing. You're gonna have to nope. you're gonna have to look at Van Jefferson as more of the the option. Um, he knows the offense a little bit more than Odell, and like we talked about, man, he's just a high, he, he wants to highlight real catches. That's what he wants. He yeah. wants to be flashy and he wants the ball. And he, he had two catches that game, the first game. He had two catches for 18 yard, uh, I believe. And I, I, if that's consistently happening and they're still getting their tails kicked in, I, I don't see that ending well. It, it's, He's gonna want the ball because he thinks he's can impact the game at that level. And we were we went over Odell's uh, stats, I think, the last episode. Yeah. Yep. 
he hasn't done anything for quite a few years. And I just, if he's not going to resort to, I'll, I'll, I'll put it you this way. And I, I understand there are two different players. But Nikhil Harry has just been blocking pretty much every week for the Patriots as wide receiver whenever he's in. Uh, he's caught, I think, two balls in the past five weeks, uh, both from Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer is the backup quarterback for the Patriots. And and I think that's what kind of Odell needs. He needs to get humbled and watch the – and you would think he would have got humbled in Cleveland – by the success they were having running the ball and him not me needing to be the focal part of the offense for it to have success. But I think that's what he needs. And he needs a quarterback that has that presence to say, Odell, this is the offense. This is what we're going to run. Yep. It's and Rams are successful and Matthew Stafford is a top tier quarterback. So you would hope that with success and, even though he's not getting 10 targets for eight catches and, and 120 yards, he's a piece of the offense and he understands that. Otherwise he's just, he's just going to start bouncing around the league. Like Antonio Brown was or Deshaun Jackson has or Deshaun Jackson has. Um, yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. He, he has to, I, I do think he's going to get more targets, especially with Robert Woods out. Because I know they they just have, I have a note here that says Deshaun Jackson just cannot hold on to the ball again, uh, because he had if in case you missed it, um, he had he wasn't going to score. He had people in front of him, but no, he didn't have people in front of him. Well, he had people around him. He had people around him, but they they weren't they weren't anywhere close. I don't think he was going to score though. No, and he would have got caught. But he had a he had a first down. He had a nice catch. He had a nice run. And nobody touches him, and he once again just the ball slips out of his hands. Uh, it's like he's allergic to it. Um, and I didn't understand it, Chris. Uh, did, I, you, did you? Just, you saw doesn't it, make right? sense. Oh yeah, like he stops, turns to go the other way because he's trying to run around the guy or something. I and and it gets stripped, and the ball goes the other way, and and it's. Well, the same ghost that Sam Darnold seen stripped him because there was nobody within eight yards of him. Yeah, I, I don't. I, every time I see that that replay, I'm just perplexed on what he was thinking. Other oh, than throwing the fact perplexed that, out there, very nice. I, I know. I tried. I tried. All I could think of is it's that syndrome that some players have where they think they need to catch, uh, get the ball, and get a touchdown on every play. There are some players who just have that mentality of, "Well, I did it in college." I caught the ball and I got a touchdown on almost every play. So it's going to happen in the pros. And I think Deshaun has had that issue where Deshaun gets a lot of deep balls and he gets touchdowns. And that was younger in his younger career. If he wants to have sustained success, he's going to have to realize that, yeah, he can catch a deep ball and he can uh, outrun somebody when you know where you're going. But when you catch the ball, especially if it's slightly underthrown and was slightly underthrown, not much. The defensive backs can catch you because you're not as young as you used to be, which means you're not as fast as you used to be. And they might be just a little bit faster than you, but there should be nothing wrong with probably what, what was it? A 50 yard, 40, 50 yard catch, maybe a few extra yards. 
big play. It could have been a big play. Momentum shift, field position shift, and instead it was a field position shift. It just went to the other team. I'm going to say this. For whatever reason, I still thought that uh, – I realized he was released by the Raiders. I still picture him in a Raiders uniform. Um, at least with the Raiders now. Yeah. Um, a Rams uniform, excuse me. I know he started a season with L.A. Uh, <laughs> he might be uh, the, the best defender on the field for the Chiefs on Sunday. Yes. So much like Jameis Winston his last year with the, with the Bucks was the best defender on the field because he just kept causing turnovers. Um, Deshaun Jackson might have been the best player. I know, I know, the Chiefs won against a absolutely demoralized and beaten down Raiders team. So that means the dynasty is alive and well again. Um, but, but you know, oh no no, they're back. I heard They're that a back. lot this week. I heard it a lot. They figured stuff out. Yeah. They faced an inept offense that had lost their coach and their first two round picks from last year under really shitty circumstances. So now uh, this team that still gave up points to that team, by the way, is somehow figured it out and the dynasty is reborn. And and we, for, we forget if, you, if you're thinking, oh, well, they're on a run. They won like two games in a row. The previous game they played the Packers who didn't have – one of the leading uh, leading candidates for MVP. Yeah. Because he's a dumbass, which we've talked about. But you didn't have him. And it wasn't a clear-cut victory, but it was a solid victory by the Chiefs. But it was by no means a, a uh, you know, statement victory by the Chiefs. You didn't – you faced a, a second-year guy who hasn't thrown the ball in the NFL – and you made him look terrible, which is what you should have done. But by by no, by no means is this is this resolved because I thought I just saw uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire uh, went on IR or is on IR. It's been on IR for it's been on IR okay. for six weeks. Yeah. And I, the the running game is still not not where it needs to be, which I still I know they won with a subpar running game, but they still had someone in the Super Bowl two years ago to to actually run the ball and they could have used someone last year and their defense is still a problem. And you can't say you're going to win in the NFL without a defense. No, absolutely not. And the Raiders lost. Look, Henry Ruggs wasn't a huge stat guy, but he was the Raiders deep threat. He's the one they drafted to take the top off the defense. And he absolutely did. And they were absolutely right for releasing him because he was just bad for the team. And then Will Arnett. Um, Damon well, Arnett. Dave, God damn it. Keep calling him the damn actor. Damon Arnett, um, <laughs> uh, you know, decides to be Al Capone on social media. And, you know, he gets you know, released too, rightfully so, because he's too stupid to be in the league. Um, and then John Gruden, uh, you know, uh, apparently is the grand wizard behind the scenes. Um, so <laughs> there's that. Although there's going to be a lot more coming out with him suing the league oh. uh, that the league does not want out because that's a whole different – that's that's an hour discussion in and of itself. But mark that, my words. That, that mark my, <laughs> mark that my words. Covered, yeah, that's going to be covered once more is out. But John Gruden is suing the league. Uh, and – Look, nothing John Gruden did is okay, but there's going to be a lot more people exposed that aren't okay 
Um, So that's going to be interesting. I will just say this for everyone out there, Chris. If you're not familiar with the story, how is it that the Washington football team have an investigation on them and nothing happens to the Washington football team, yet a coach on a different team who had no association at any point with the Washington football team is the one that gets dragged to the mud? Yeah. So when I saw when I saw John Gruden suing, I'm like, oh boy. I don't. This is not going to bring down the league. This is not going to bring down the commissioner. Oh, I think it could. The commissioner. Well, I, I thought that with um, with Ray Rice, uh, and I've kind of, and I thought maybe with with the whole situation with Brady, how he was overstepping his bounds, and maybe something would come. It has it. So, I'm going to sit on. On my perch and say, until something happens, I'm just going to say he's going to be protected. Uh, but some people are going to are gonna get hung out to dry just to save Roger Goodell and other high-ranking officials. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um... You said this. You sent me this before we started recording. Henry Ruggs. Uh, we all know what happened there. Yeah. Uh, apparently missed a an alcohol test. Um, I assume this is ordered. You know, probably court ordered. Yep. After his um, it, don't even know what to call it, but uh, someone needs to get in this kid's ear because he's made enough mistakes and hurt enough lives, and he needs to get straight whatever he can while he's still young enough to potentially have a life after whatever the fallout from all this is happens. So I know, I know Dion, Dion called AB, maybe Dion needs to get in Henry Ruggs here also. Cause you know, Dion is, is flashy and, and he's a character, but um, you know, seems like a good dude at heart. And uh, you know, he needs somebody to talk to this kid because he, he needs, whoever's out there in his ear right now it might be trying but it's not working and this is this is going to be an even sadder story if he doesn't get his shit together real quick and i'd say Saban would be probably a good candidate to reach out to him but i don't know what kind of connection these players yeah. have with uh Saban after they leave college because you know Saban and his staff are pretty much up oh, the next group comes in because they reload every year so that's the next group comes in and i gotta move on but you know, the guy's been around forever, so maybe that's a guy. But maybe Dion's a, a better choice. Uh, is someone? Someone got a? I know he talked to AB, and um, AB made some mistakes, and there's still things out there. Did he do this? Did he not do this? Um, he didn't get in a car drunk and drive 156 miles an hour and kill somebody. Right. Um, you know, there is, you know, domestic violence issues that are still up in the air. Question what happened, what didn't happen, we don't know. We know what Henry Ruggs did. So I'm by no means trying to say some of these other people are, are as, what they did is as bad. Because um, we don't know. Could be, could not be. But we know what Ruggs did. And um, this kid's skipping tests now that are court ordered. And he, you know, he's having the problems he's having, which are his own fault. But, yeah. you know, it's it's... Somebody doesn't get in his ear, he gets behind the wheel again and runs into somebody else and kills somebody else. 
or himself or or something. I mean, it's it's yeah. not a situation that looks to have a, a, a good ending right now, so hopefully that, that turns around. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but on to a happier, uh, happier note, uh, the Jets. Words I've probably never said in my entire life. Um, apparently the Mike White experience is over. Apparently it's ending in tears the same way everything does for the Jets, it seems. Uh, they had this nice thing <laughs> uh, a couple weeks ago against the Bengals, came in for yep. the injured Zach Wilson, lit up the Bengals, who were the number one team in the AFC at that point. Uh, got you know Came in against the Colts the following game, let a touchdown drive, and then got hurt, came in last week, struggled. So apparently the Jets, who have been in search for a young quarterback who can take the reins for years, drafted multiple first-round picks, have decided, since Zach Wilson's still not ready to go, and if Zach Wilson was ready to go, I'd be fine with him saying, okay, sorry, Mike White, unless Zach Wilson gets hurt again, you had your shot, didn't work, we're going with our number two pick. I get that. Instead of that, since he's not ready to go, they're not going to go, hey, we're going to keep going with Mike White and see what this kid has. We're going to ride out the tough part. He had one great game. One didn't, you know, uncertain game because he got hurt, and then one really, really bad game, which was terrible. Against, by the way, the number one defense in the NFL, the Bills, last week. Right. What do they do? They decide to bypass Mike White. He was the darling of the NFL for 10 days, and now it's Joe Flacco's job as long as uh, uh, Zach Wilson's hurt. Joe Flacco, again, this guy is the epitome of mediocrity. He's not great, to put it mildly. He's not the more importantly, not look, backup quarterbacks often aren't. But he's not the future. This is a guy who's already contemplated retirement. This is a guy and without a doubt on the back end of his career. He's not the future. If if look, you're not gonna have a winning season. The Jets are not gonna turn it around and be a winning team all of a sudden this year. So why not put Mike White in there as, and, until Zach Wilson comes back? And if Mike White comes out this game and has a good game, maybe you you got something there, and you can build off that. You know you're not you're not going to sign Joe Flacco to a five-year, $100 million contract. You just know you're not. He's not the guy. You know this. This is – look, you got Robert Sala. You got a lot of people on that coaching staff. You got some good draft picks. You got a defense that looked good the first couple weeks, struggled pretty much ever since. Um, you got some pieces on that team. So what do you do? You go back to a guy who wasn't even the best wasn't even the best quarterback in the field in the Super Bowl when he won it. And and now you're going with him instead of I I have no idea how old Mike White is, but I know he's younger than Joe Flacco and he had a, a really rookie. good game a couple weeks. Oh, he's a rookie too? Okay. Mike White's a rookie. Okay. So you don't even know if he could be the guy. You have you could go from having a Robert Griffin the uh, Robert Griffin the 3rd and Kirk Cousins situation like Washington had a couple years ago where, oh, we we took RG3 so early in the draft, we got to keep riding with him. But then it came to the point where Kirk Cousins just overshadowed him despite not looking perfect, not looking awesome all the time, was way more consistent. And you're going to put Joe Flacco in there instead of seeing what you have with the rookie. And then you're going to let all these rookies go. And then you're going to draft uh, maybe not Zach Wilson, but the rest of them are going to let, let go after the season like they did last year. Got a couple of rookies last year, came in, weren't immediately the reincarnation of Tom Brady. Well, okay, he's not dead, so it can be reincarnation, but not the second coming of Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger who won his um, 
Super Bowl his rookie year, or Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl his rookie year. I know Brady didn't, but just saying, first year starting. Yeah. Um, it's not reincarnation of something great right off the bat. So you know what? Well, <laughs> on to the next. Well, the next one just happens to be a late thirties or early forties quarterback who I never thought was elite. I know people on the Ravens will argue with me, but that defense won them those rings, and that's fine. But I, I just I don't. This is the most Jets thing I can imagine. Two weeks ago, you have a guy who's the talk of the entire league. He has a bad game, and now you're putting it in Joe Flacco's hands. Let Mike White take the reins. I don't mind seeing the Jets struggle and suffer and look stupid. I'm fine with that. But as a football fan, do the right thing for your team. Put a rookie in there. It's like if you're a baseball team and your team is garbage and you have an aging starting pitcher and you got some couple young guys who are struggling, put them on the mound. Let them get beat up for a couple of months. How I look at it, Chris, um, look, we know my feelings on Zach Wilson. Um, I don't have high hopes for him. And Mike White, I don't know much about. And I get your point. You know, he's he had a good game and he had a bad game. It's like, what is he? What Like, there's no upside on Flacco. There might be some upside on White. Here's how I look at it, Chris. I think Mike White was drafted in the late part of the draft. So he's not even, I don't even think it's a second round pick. I think it was like a, a fifth, a sixth, or even he could have even been undrafted. I, what I'm trying to say is look at a lot of successful quarterbacks in their rookie year, their second year. They have that veteran with them. You think of Russell Wilson. Yes, they signed Matt Flynn to be the starter, and Russell came in and, you know, took the reins and and, and, and ran with it. Now, he didn't have a, you know, MVP type of rookie season, but he had Matt Flynn there who's been in the league quite a few years to kind of be a sounding board. Uh, Brady had Bledsoe. You know, for what it's worth, the first few years – Aaron Rodgers had at Brett Favre, and clearly he learned a lot from him because he's starting to act like a, 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 act like <laughs> yeah. a lot. Uh, Brian Hoyer's there with uh, with uh, Mac Jones. Um, for what it's worth, Joe Flacco was there with in, in, in Lamar Jackson's rookie season. Alex Smith was there with Patrick Mahomes, Patrick's first season as a rookie. They they moved on from him. Uh, in the second season, it went with Patrick Mahomes, but at least he was there to learn and and, and figure stuff out. Uh, for what it's worth, Tyrod Taylor was there for a lot of players, actually. Uh, I can think Poor of Tyrod. Uh, uh, Josh Allen. Uh, Tyrod's a good luck chuck of, of quarterbacks. <laughs> but but it, what I'm trying to say is there's a guy there that has some experience that can be a sounding board that can at least at minimum – when they're out there practicing, that, that rookie can look at and say, yeah, I know I'm a first overall pick or second overall pick, but I look at that guy and I say, okay, what's he doing? What's what's his practice routine? How are his reps going? Even if he's repping with the third team or the fourth team in, in, in training camp, I can see what he's doing and how he's practicing, and I can, I can try to mimic some of those stuff with what I do, what I learned in college. Because reality is, in college, 
some of the actual games are practices. They're just they're non-competitive. You're not facing all unless you're in the SEC, which is a whole different ball game. Yeah. You're not facing competitive talent each and every week. You're not facing first round draft picks every single week. So, and I know there's outliers. Joe Flacco was uh, from a division two school. Uh, ben Roethlisberger at the time uh, came from a division two school. So I get there's outliers, but even I'm, I'm trying to think back. I think even Joe Flacco and Roethlisberger had guys uh, there. I'm going to say Tommy Maddox was there for Roethlisberger and maybe Cordell. I'm not hundred percent sure we're stretching my memory a little bit. The, the, the point I'm trying to get at is there were some veteran quarterbacks out there that could have been had, maybe not to start, but to be there as kind of a backup. Um, Tyrod is an example. I know Ryan Fitzpatrick got a opportunity to start in Washington. That's why he went there, but, know it it didn't come to anything um i know blake bortles has been tossed around a few teams this year and and he's sitting on i think the um packers roster right now i just think that the opportunity was there for them to have a solid veteran number two and you could have still had mike white even either on the roster or on the practice squad because i'm sure he would have went through waivers and you could have put him on the practice squad and that way, if this scenario pops up, and even if it's Joe Flacco, at least he's been there all season, and he's he could have been some sort of guidance for, um, for a player like Zach Wilson, for a player like Mike White. Because honestly, there are some players at some point they just know what they are. They're backup right. quarterbacks. Yep. They're clipboard champions. But they're going to make one and a half, two million dollars a year to do that. And it's like, uh, I can go be an insurgent salesman. I can try my hand at media or I can try to stay tied <laughs> to the game and get one last, you know, one last trek onto the field in a week 16 matchup by carrying the clipboard for 15 weeks and, and trying to help this kid. And, you know, maybe, maybe network a little bit and, make something for the future, but the Jets didn't do that. They went with two rookies and yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like where they're going. Um, and I know if you look at a lot of hey, let's redraft the 2020 quarterbacks in the first round, there's a lot of reshuffling because the way performance is happening uh, I would still hold pause for that, even though I, you know, I know what I've said about my choices on who's going to be successful and not. Uh, I would still hold judgment because it's it's ten weeks. I'm uh just for reference because I didn't know Mike White's not actually a rookie. Uh, I looked rookie. it up. Nope, he was drafted in the fifth round by the Dallas Cowboys in 2018. Uh, but he's still young, and there's clearly something. You know, someone said he was a rookie. Has he ever played? Uh, his record was zero and one before this, so he has not played in many games. Uh, I don't think. No, I don't actually think he actually started any. I think that's this. why. They're, okay, that's yeah. Why. It'd be his first start. Yeah. So, so that's what I, I think. There's a playing time, just like uh, uh, Major League Baseball. You know, there's a uh, a playing time amount pitching or hitting. Yeah. 
where you're, cons- you know, if you don't do that, you're still considered a rookie. I think that's probably what it is. Because I know I heard he was a rookie. Uh, but maybe because he hasn't played. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, or, yeah, so. He's, he's inexperienced, I'll yeah. say that. But, I mean, they could have, I mean, he was the talk of the town for 10 days, and then they just give up on him like that. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. But that's the Jets for you. Uh, just real quick before we get to Banker Tank, uh, Cam Newton has re-signed with the Carolina Panthers, and as you stated before he started recording, was part of first two plays he was part of. Uh, got two touchdowns this past Sunday. Yeah. So I, I I pointed out, and I actually saw this on a meme on uh NFL memes. Uh, Cam Newton is the smartest man in the NFL because the Panthers brought in Teddy Bridgewater to replace him. After one season, realized Teddy wasn't the guy. I traded Teddy, got Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold got hurt, even though they already knew he wasn't the guy. After, you know, the first three games, he was great, and then he went all Sam Darnold. So not only are they paying Cam Newton, but they just, they're paying the guy who replaced him, and they're paying the guy who replaced him to replace him. So now they're paying Cam Newton to replace the two guys they paid to replace Cam Newton. So follow that's a whole my brother's sister's cousin's mother's high school roommate has knows a friend kind of scenario there but either way cam is making good money again to be back in carolina so uh wasn't great on the patriots as far as wins and losses go but he's a good dude and i'm happy to see cam you know back where it all started so good luck to him in the end chris i look at that and say the panthers have no clue what they're doing uh at this point um their direction at quarterback seems murky at best yeah and this is someone who complimenting Matt Rule on kind of structuring their team and, and seemed like they had a path. And all of a sudden, their path hinged on two players Sam Darnold and Christian McCaffrey. And it doesn't seem like that path is, is working out for them. No, no. And the QB class is not going to be as deep. And they've got enough wins where I think they're not going to be in the top 10. or And I think they'll accumulate more wins throughout the season to not be a top 10 team. So you're going to have to dangle some. Uh, the rumors are going to be hot for Deshaun Jackson. I understand people's issues with Deshaun Jackson. So he's still going to be a hot commodity. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a hot commodity. If I'm the Panthers, I might want to go in one of those directions because no, 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 no. You know what's going to happen? The, the, the Broncos are going to trade and get Aaron Rodgers, and then the Bank and then the Panthers are going to reacquire Teddy Bridgewater because he was the answer. Because he was all the along. answer. That way, they have Cam and Teddy and Donald. It'll create this three-headed monster. They'll three quarterbacks in the backfield, and they'll still go like five and eleven. Yeah, five and twelve, seventeen games. Yeah, five and twelve. Yeah, five and twelve. Yeah. All right, speaking of records, you and I have a tied one in Banker Tank. We were tied before this week, and coming out of week 10, we both went 3-3. Three and three, So if we're tied and we had the same record, we are still tied at 34-26 and 26 for the season. Uh, Tammy was 2-4 and four last week with a 24-30 and 30 record overall. Uh, so a couple of good weeks. You can get right back into it for sure. Um, but without further ado, Banker Tank for week 11. The bank, I'm going to go Joe Burrow, Adrian Peterson, and Rashad Bateman. Peterson, the bank. All right. I'm going to go Dak Prescott, A.J. Dillon, and D.K. Metcalf. Tank is going to be Justin Herbert, 
Miles Gaskin, and Corey Davis. Tank for me will be Josh Allen, Saquon Barkley, and Brandon Cooks. So I think I think the Bills can win against Indy, but Allen's just gonna be way too much running in that game for him to put up thirty six points. Yeah. Anything else? Are you good? No, I'm all set. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 153. If you have any questions about anything you heard on this episode, past episodes, or anything else sports-related at all, or you know what? Life at all. Ben and I can also help you with life's big questions. Hit us up on social media. And Ben, where can you get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSpod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. The website, BCTSpod.com. And Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. All right, look at that. One take Johnny over here. First time through, no problems. Guy's on his A game today. If you feel so inclined, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast and leave a rating and a review and then tell a friend about the show. We'd really appreciate that. Word of mouth is still a great way to, well, spread the word. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy. We will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.